This weekend, naturally this month, but this weekend in a, special, in a special way starts the Respect for Life Month, Respect for Life Week. And so often we reduce that down to uh, an anti-abortion stand. And as important as that is to work towards the end of abortion and to speak about the dignity of every life from that first moment of conception, uh, the pro-life uh, field is a lot larger than that, of course, and it's not even just extended out only to euthanasia or uh, uh, to avoid um, killing those that are in miserable positions in their life. Uh, there's a difference between actively killing and uh, giving comfort, of course. So uh, God bless the hospice units that are uh, seeking to end euthanasia by supporting families and those that are in the midst of the process of death. But even to take step further back, and today this gospel passage, I, I, I don't know what was going on in St. Mark's mind as he wrote this, but, uh, or the, the church uh, fathers who put together the lectionary. If you've been paying attention the last three weeks, today and the two weeks before that, Coco has made an appearance again, I see. <laughs> but the last uh, three weeks, we've heard about children. And today, Jesus reminding us that we have to accept the kingdom of God as a child. And how does a child accept things but knowing one's dependence? And so often we work, we think, if we just work hard enough, if we just do enough, or if we just do, we can earn salvation. And no, that is not true. We cannot. It is a gift that we must receive. So as we gather, we know that we need to receive this gift. But that gift needs to be protected, too. And there is a direct connection, of course, between the first half of our gospel passage and this last half of the children coming to Jesus. The first half, of course, being the question of marriage. Is it lawful for us, <clears throat> husband, <coughs> husband to divorce his wife? And Jesus answers, uh, what did Moses say? It's for the, because of the hardness of your heart, which is a way of saying because of the sinfulness of your hearts that he allowed this. But it should not be this way. It's, and from the beginning, of course, and we heard that in today's first reading, from the beginning, God created the male and female. He desired them to join into a permanent state of life, to commit themselves totally, com completely to e each other. And in a very real way, sometimes there is sin, sinfulness, brokenness, that causes what looks like a marriage to, to not have been established. So as soon as we talk about marriage, I know our Protestant brothers and sisters sometimes will point out, yeah, you Catholics, you have that Catholic divorce thing. Uh, you used to call it annulment, and that's what it never was really should have been called. Uh, unfortunately, in a popular uh, way of speaking, that is it. But it's a declaration of nullity, declaring that something that we thought had happened did not, in fact, happen. It declares that the marriage from that first moment of marriage did not occur. And so the church has determined that there are, there are certain things that would lead to an annulment. And those things break down into a, a few different areas. Lost my note today. 
They, they fall, fall down in the hardness of our hearts playing out in, in very specific ways. And because of those ways that it falls apart, because they do not, a husband and wife do not enter fully the sacrament of marriage as the church intends, there is no marriage sacramentally. Legal marriage, perhaps, but no sacramental marriage. And so it's a good day to reflect on sacramental marriage. What is it? And to remember that in the beginning, when God created man, well, first he created man, Adam, but then he created the family unit. This is the most basic, fundamental building block of society. And we live in a day and age that tells us families are irrelevant, husband and wife are irrelevant, uh, mom and dad are irrelevant, and yet, statistically, and I keep joking, 110% of all statistics are completely made up, uh, but uh, statistically, uh, we see what happens when fathers and mothers do not intend to enter into a permanent marriage. We see what happens to the children that I, myself, my parents are divorced. I have the distinct honor of being the only priest of our diocese to be able to say that. And so I know divorce from the inside as a child. I was 19 when my parents uh, finalized their divorce. My sisters, younger than me, I see what devastation has worked in their life. And I know statistically, children of divorce are more likely to not only have mental or psychological issues, but even physical issues. Asthma and various allergies seem to be more statistically possible for a child of divorce. But even then, society itself is damaged, is hurt by divorce. And so it's important that we remember what marriage is. And it comes down to, uh, I use mnemonics, it comes down to five Fs. The marriage is first to be faithful. Faithful meaning you don't go outside that marriage bond. That you commit yourselves in faith to each other, in love. Marriage is to be fruitful. Sometimes for whatever reason, there's uh, an issue, medically or otherwise, that a couple is not able to have biological children of their own. But that fruitfulness is bigger than just even children. It's a fruitfulness that feeds the neighbors and feeds the church, feeds the world. I think very specifically, and the reason I'm thinking of her is she died about this time of year, but shortly after this couple was married, the husband had a very terrible accident, was paralyzed, and they were unable to have children. And yet, how fruitful their marriage was, because they mentored so many young people. They helped so many young people understand what it meant to be a young man or young woman. They volunteered in the church in ways, and he was a prayer warrior if there ever was one. They were very fruitful in their marriage, though they did not have children. And the marriage is to be full, complete. When husband and wife come together to hold nothing back from each other. 
And so often I, I hear the stories and, and uh, unfortunately involves specifically young men who, well, I'm going to give, your, give myself to you except for five hours a day where I can play video games or do whatever I want, or I'm going to give myself to you and, except for this or that. No, marriage is to be full, to be complete, a complete gift of self to the other. And marriage is to be for life. For life. A number of years ago, I had a couple, I've shared this story way too often, but people knew that they had one of those relationships where uh, words were said often before they were thought. And you could hear them in the pig barn half a mile away screaming at each other. They celebrated their 50th anniversary formally in, in church, and before the, the service, I knew a little bit about that situation. I asked her, well, have you ever thought about divorce? Oh, Father, divorce, never, never, never divorce, never. I'm Catholic. Murder, yes, but never divorce. <laughs> and perhaps you've heard that statistic that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. That is not necessarily a true statistic. That's all marriages. It's something like 89 or something like that percent of first marriages last, endure. Because what happens is after that first marriage falls apart, they enter serial divorces. So one person could be divorced two, three, four, five times. 100% of those marriages would end in divorce. The rest of the marriages end in death. We should not be so squeamish to say that. That's a beautiful thing. That same husband and wife I've already referred to, they gave themselves for life, for good, for bad, for richer, for, for worse. And they certainly had the worst. But when he died, she experienced a tremendous loss. And sadly, within about a year, she herself died, though neither was very old. There was a love there that they committed themselves through the thick and thin of everything for the rest of their lives. And the last one that even I sometimes forget, but how necessary it is, we live in a day where thankfully this is less rare, but the typical shotgun wedding, you will get married over my dead body, or your dead body as the case might be, but how we need to be free. A couple needs to freely choose the other. And so often when there's cohabitation, so often when there's a child on the way, there's not true freedom. As somebody who witnesses marriages and those who prepare couples for marriage, we need to be careful to make sure that the couple is truly deciding in freedom. So a marriage is faithful, fruitful, full for life and free. But St. Paul goes a step beyond. He tells us in Ephesians that, that, as we heard a few weeks ago, you know, husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands. As Christ submitted himself to the church, husbands or gave his life for the church as the church submits herself to Christ. Paul uses marriage as an analogy for what the church is to be. And if that's true, then we should be able to look at Christ and see how he is faithful, how he is fruitful, how he is full, how he gives his life, and how it was all done in freedom. And then we respond with that same faithful, fruitful, full for life and free. 
Why are couples, married couples, in the sacrament of marriage so important? Because they remind us of our very, everyone's vocation. Married couples, I, I cannot express how much of a support I get from seeing a couple who understand the sacrament of marriage, who desire to live it out as the church has taught what it is. Because in the end, that same five words needs to be applied to us as priests. It needs to be applied to the religious. It needs to be applied even to those who are baptized, who are still discerning what is God calling me toward. That we are called to be faithful, fruitful, full for life until something else happens, perhaps, for those that are not uh, either ordained or taken permanent vows or uh, uh, whether in marriage or religious life. But it definitely needs to be free. Our society needs good marriages. It needs good marriages because out of good marriages come good families. And family is the building block of life, of human existence. Without families, we're going to see the continued degradation of society. I can only shudder to think what would happen should families continue to deteriorate, except in some circles, hopefully the Catholic Church and the uh, Christian churches would be uh, bulwarks for family. But should society continue to, to fall apart what else will we see besides abortion, besides euthanasia? Will we see infanticide? Will we see other, I just don't like my neighbor, so I'll take care of him myself or her myself? Will we see murders increase? It's all connected. It's all connected. And we should not be afraid as Catholics, as Christians, to stand up and say, no, the Lord calls us to something more. So families, thank you. Husbands and wives who have committed to yourselves to each other in the sacrament of marriage, thank you for being that good witness. And for those that are struggling, there is help. You don't have to suffer alone. There is help for those in, in tough marriages, retrovi and world marriage encounter, perhaps to ask the Lord to help. And for all of us to this day ask ourselves, how is the Lord calling me to be more faithful? How is the Lord calling me to be more fruitful? How is he calling me to be more full, complete with my gift? How am I called to be more free? And how is my life involved in all of this?